Paving the way for others to use crypto and commerce is essential for the growth and adoption of cryptocurrency. One company that's helping to create the rails is MoonPay. Their on and off ramp suite of products provides a seamless experience for converting between fiat currencies and cryptocurrencies using all major payment methods. Today, we're joined by Ivan Soto Wright, CEO and co-founder of MoonPay, to discover how their service and others like them are helping accelerate crypto adoption. Crypto might not make it to the moon today, but at least we're charting the path on this episode number 527 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, Zoom, we're going to the moon, Norton. To the moon, I tell you. Norton, one of these days, pow, right in the kisser. I wonder how many people got that reference at all. For those of you who did not get it, classic nostalgic television, The Honeymooners, the great Jackie Gleason from before when most of us were even born. It's definitely before me. Well, you, I mean, it was way before I was born, and the only thing I've ever done is I've seen some of the, the episodes online. Like Jackie Gleason, I know him best from uh, Buford T. Justice, you some bitch. Smokey so, and the Bandit. A lot of people would know that one. Because if yeah. you don't know Smokey and the Bandit, then you're an asshole. You need to go watch it. Yeah, go watch it. It's, it's really funny you mentioned that because, I don't know, during – um, lockdowns and all, there was a lot of movie watching, right, on Netflix. And I, I pulled up Smoking the Bandit because I hadn't seen it in like 25 years. Eastbound and down, rolling up and trucking. And I love that song. That was, that was an amazing movie. I remember as a kid and I was like, when I get older, I want to have myself a Smokey and the Bandit car. And when I got 16, I didn't quite get the Smokey and the Bandit car, but I did get a Pontiac Firebird. It was a Trans Am, right? It was a Trans Am, so yeah, yeah. It, was a, it was a much it was a much nicer version, but I got pretty close. And I got me a Mustang. Anyhow, welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, where we talk about whatever we want to talk about and crypto. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about building on ramps into the crypto world. But first, want to give a shout out to our friends at Any Task. If you're an artist, an illustrator, a designer, an animator, or an alligator, they're looking for artists, but not alligators, because they've got a new NFT category. So if you're skilled and you want to um, be in this NFT category, it's really easy to sign up and then you get paid in ETN, Electronium, which is the crypto that powers. It's the payment solution for Any Task. Check them out today. Here's our quick and easy handy dandy little link badco.in forward slash any task and uh, maybe you can make some electronium doing some artsy things there great stuff we love any task over there because you can do pretty much any task over there and so right here we have my dear brother ivan soto wright who is the co-founder and ceo of MoonPay. two one of those things is true he is the CEO and co-founder of MoonPay. He is not my brother, but he is a very nice guy. Let's get into this interview. Sometimes getting crypto into people's hands can be the most challenging part of onboarding people into cryptocurrency. Sure, there are popular exchanges which are easier to sign up for, such as Coinbase, 
but Coinbase only covers a fragment of the actual coins that are out there, making some of them more challenging to get. What if there were systems set up that would allow you to accept payments and get cryptocurrency in a much more straightforward manner than having to go through massive exchange headaches? Well, one such solution is MoonPay. MoonPay.com is the website and came across these guys because they are one such solution for getting wax, which turns out is a challenging crypto to onboard people into. Well, what I'm curious about, we got MoonPay. What I want to know is when Lambo pay. Mm, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll that's ask actually, our guests. Yeah, so that's actually a funny story. So, hey, guys, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'm Ivan. I'm the co-founder and CEO of MoonPay. Uh, we're trying to get a billion people into cryptocurrencies by 2030. So we have a lot of work to do uh, to get, get people there. Uh, good question, when Lambo. Um, kind of funny story. Way back in the day, I guess back in the day, you know, I guess every year is almost a decade in crypto uh, land. 2017, um, my co-founder and I on MoonPay had built a website called moonlambos.com uh, where people could buy Lamborghinis with Bitcoin. Um, and at the time, um, there wasn't really a good payment solution. We ended up using BitPay. So we ended up convincing a dealership in California to use BitPay uh, to accept Bitcoin. So, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, funny link to, to Lambo. Uh, and, you know, I think part of it, you, you had Moon Lambo. You know, eventually, we wanted to build our own payment system. And that's part of the reason why we got to the name MoonPay. Nice. So part of the entomology of your business, the MoonPay, is because of Moons and Lambos. Nice. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I was just making a joke. A funny origin story. Although, you know, I think moon, you know, who doesn't like the moon, right? I think, you know, when have you heard someone be like, fuck, I hate the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I, wake up, I wake up and be like, ugh, hate the freaking moon. I like to moon people. I mean, that's that's always fun to do. That is good. Right? Show me your, show me your bear ass. Uh, Ivan, how about uh, just a Reader's Digest background on yourself so people know where you're coming from and how you got into the space? Yeah. So, I mean, I've always been a lover of technology, uh, even, you know, since I was a kid, I always wanted to have like the newest like gaming console or newest computer growing up. Um, I ended up, uh, studying economics in college. Um, that was kind of like a good, uh, kind of background to kind of like the world of finance and all these, uh, you know, interesting, uh, things that were, that were kind of happening around 27, you know, it was, it was essentially 2007, 2008. Uh, I was in college during kind of the financial crisis and, um, you know, I think that kind of left a, a lasting impression on me um, and wanted to be part of, you know, you know, doing something in financial services. I ended up uh, meeting this incredible entrepreneur when I was in London. I'd spent a year at Oxford uh, and uh, I was convinced to kind of join this company that was focusing on helping pension funds that were essentially sick. Uh, after the financial crisis, um, they were in bad shape. Um, they had funding ratios where they couldn't meet their liabilities of having to pay out their pensioners. Um, and so my job, kind of 22 fresh-faced uh, right out of college, was trying to figure out how to put these pension funds back on track and investing across a, a wide variety of asset classes. Uh, so kind of geeky portfolio construction. Uh, we were hedging out interest rates and inflation risk and then doing kind of strategic asset allocation across all these different asset classes, which is just, I guess, a fancy way to say, you know, I got to learn around, you know, learned a lot around how big pots of money uh, move around. And uh, I guess 27, it was, it was 2015, um, I decided to leave, you know, I caught the, the fintech bug, you know, there was incredible companies starting to get built in London, I wanted to be part of that. 
Um, so I ended up going to hackathons uh, in my free time. Uh, I have no coding or technical background or, 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 or training, uh, but somehow I managed to convince um, some engineers over weekends to kind of build cool prototypes. And uh, that eventually led me to winning uh, one of these hackathons um, where we essentially built a, a digital piggy bank. Uh, it was actually a physical piggy bank that was IoT enabled. And the idea was to give people some more, uh, you know, I guess a physical touch around savings. Like I wanted to make it easy for people to understand this concept of savings. Eventually, you know, pivoted from that idea and uh, started a, a business called Savable. And uh, the idea there was to make it really easy for people to build a savings account. Um, if you look in the Western world, right, most people don't have savings. Uh, whereas you look in Asia, savings is super ingrained in their culture. And so I thought the only way you could really fix that was to try to automate savings. So we built a solution that connected to bank accounts. Uh, and would then sweep money into a savings account automatically uh, was a was a huge struggle of a business. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily good fundamentally uh, good business because people are super, um, I guess, cost conscious around you know trying to get the best interest rate, and interest rates were super low. Um, and so, you know, I found myself um, in kind of 2017 back at the drawing board, trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And that was the point where crypto was really starting to take off. And I guess from my side, crypto, you know, for me, it was, you know, anyone with an internet connection now has access to financial services. And, and to me, what was so interesting and cool about it was it was like exciting. Uh, people got excited about interacting with crypto. And so I definitely felt like that was the, the wave that I needed to uh, hop on next. And so started to look at, you know, what were all the biggest problems? Uh, what were the things that, you know, if you wanted to bring people in the space that you need to solve? Uh, and it was clear that payments uh, and, and essentially moving people into cryptocurrency from the legacy financial system was still pretty difficult. Uh, and kind of one thing led to another. And, you know, the birth of MoonPay was uh, 2018. Uh, essentially, we had built a solution for Bitcoin.com as our first customer. Um, we wanted to make it easier for their customers to buy Bitcoin directly on their website. Um, and uh, yeah, the rest, I guess, is history. It's been a, a two year crazy journey. Uh, we have over 250 partners in the ecosystem that we power uh, with on and off ramps. And our goal is, you know, as, as I mentioned before, by 2030, uh, we want to bring a billion people into the space. We want to cover every single payment method across every single geography and really try to solve this conversion issue and making it easier for, for people to get crypto. While you were talking and talking about the savings accounts and um, do you know right now what the average national interest rate is, Joel, on savings accounts in the U.S. right now with balances over $100,000. You got to guess. Without Googling it, which I would never do, if I was going to look it up, I would duck, duck, go it because screw Google. Uh, but without even DDG in that shares, I'm going to guess that it's somewhere around 0.05%. Amazing guess. It's 0.04% right Get now. out of here. Yeah, it's, big it's banks, nothing. Big banks will often Tiny. offer a 0.01%. And if you, and then some will actually maybe even go up to 0.1%. Like, wow. $100,000. So yeah. I think you guys understand why it wasn't necessarily a good business to be in the savings business. And uh, also, just you know, most consumers aren't, they aren't winning uh, with traditional savings accounts. And so uh, I think that that spurs people to look into. Uh, riskier assets, right? Um, and assets that can actually generate return. Amazing. That's why DeFi is such a, an amazing play. It seems to me that everybody who's out there thinking about, you know, wanting to create a savings account, 
account and start understanding DeFi because that's like the best thing that you could possibly do. Some of the yields that you can get on that are just unbelievable. So you've had an amazing journey, uh, Ivan. You've uh, gone uh, through. Uh, 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 one, one point I'd make about, uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, one point I'd make about the the savings rates is, um, so really interesting story is there's this uh, mutual fund in Asia, which is called the Yubao. And Yubao means leftover treasure in Chinese. And uh, what they did was they had all these people sitting on these Alipay accounts. Um, and uh, essentially these Alipay accounts were earning zero interest. And they made it really easy to connect your Alipay account to the Yubao. And the Yubao was offering like 6% uh, interest rate. It wasn't something that was sustainable as you know, most high interest rates, you should always be a little bit, uh, I guess, skeptical and, and make sure that you've done that was a normal, though. That was a normal uh, <laughs> interest rate, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I remember when I was a kid, totally you're like, right. oh, man, 8%, <laughs> like, wow, that's good. Yeah, now, now we have to be skeptical, right? Um, and uh, I guess the, the, the interesting thing there was it became the largest money market mutual fund in the world in the shortest period of time. I think it was just a couple of years until it became one of the biggest. And uh, you know, so I think the same story is starting to play out for crypto. Crypto has that opportunity. Essentially, why are we seeing these yields? It's still an inefficient market. Um, there's borrows that need to uh, enable their customers to take leverage and have these types of products. And so that's why you're able to get uh, those kind of yields, um, you know, in crypto. But again, you have to do your research. It's not like all these opportunities. Some of this yield farming stuff is definitely risky. So you gotta gotta make sure you do your research there. But I think the point is, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, a better, what, why, why get zero, you know, 0.1, 0.2% interest when you should be getting, uh, you know, full hundred hundred basis points or percentage points of interest. Yeah. How can you even advertise that? Come do this, come to our bank, bank of America, get 0.04% interest on your savings accounts. Like what a joke. Exactly. <laughs> So I'm looking at the main page here, and, and you could actually buy some cryptos directly for USD. And I thought you guys were, Wax was one of them. I don't see it here on this menu. Has that changed? So we have a, we have a very uh, exciting piece of news very soon that we'll be launching Wax in the United States. It's just taken us a little bit of while to add okay. um, in. It's just we have a, a little bit of a different uh, asset um, launch process than we do in other parts of the world. So uh, Wax has been one of the most requested um, assets for us to support in the US. So I will have hopefully very good news very soon uh, around for, for customers in the United States to get Excellent. access to Wax. Support it in about 160 other countries. Okay, you'll have to let us know. So right now uh, here in the US, I can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tether, Stellar, uh, basic attention token, Bitcoin Cash, DAI, EOS, Chainlink, Litecoin, OMG, Paxos, TrueUSD, USD Coin, and Zero X for um, for fiat. So, what kind of premium would I pay? Like, if I go in here and uh, it says a Litecoin is one hundred and seventy-five dollars, what is it if I look at Coin Gecko right now? The actual price. Cool. Yeah. So, just to break down costs, um, it's it's important just to break down all the different components. Um, you know, with debit and credit cards, the reality is you're taking a uh, non-final payment method and combining it with a final payment, which is the actual delivery of cryptocurrency. I.e., if I send Bitcoin or one of these cryptocurrencies, I can't call a bank and say, "Hey, I'd like my Bitcoin back." Um, you know, it's officially gone. And so, there's always going to be a premium associated with using a debit and credit card because of something called a chargeback. 
which is when you know someone calls their bank and says, hey, I didn't make this transaction. And then the money gets charged back, they get their money back, uh, whereas we're out of the money. So there is a premium associated with that because we guarantee the risk of chargebacks as part of our model. Um, but you know, the reality is like sticker rates on debit and credit cards, they vary based on the country. Um, you know, the other things to kind of bear in mind here is obviously the volatility of some of these crypto assets when we source and uh, try to execute and do best, uh, you know, try to do our very best to get the best price for our customers. And then you also have withdrawal network fees, right? So on these different blockchains, um, you know, depending on where we're sourcing that particular asset, there may be withdrawal fee, there may be a network fee associated with that blockchain. And so it can add up and be a little bit expensive. Um, you know, we're constantly working to lower our fees. Um, you know, that's part of our, uh, you know, ambition to bring a billion people into the space is we want to make it uh, as cheap as possible. And so part of that as well is looking at other payment methods. So for example, in the United States, um, we can do an ACH bank transfer for way less. And we're about to launch our ACH bank transfer product, but really just around the, uh, the edge of, of launching that, which we're super excited about, um, which will be uh, 1% or less on every transaction. So we'll think it's a lot more cost effective, for example, than using a debit or credit card. Um, so, you know, I think that's, that's kind of how we look at it. Obviously, the other thing is we're, we're trying to, you know, we're, we're a bootstrap business. Um, so we never raise venture. Um, so we had to make sure that we're being smart around cash flow uh, because we have to front the cash. Um, so what ends up happening is when someone buys cryptocurrency with their credit card, it's not like I received that payment immediately. Um, that takes three days in most cases to clear uh, into my bank account. So we have to actually front that cash ourselves to go deliver it. So all these things basically translate into cost, um, but we're working on it uh, and trying to make it as cheap as possible as the, the business continues to expand and scale. What about chargebacks? That seems like that might be an issue potentially. Um, you know, somebody's like, hey, I got some Bitcoin. I didn't order this Bitcoin. Who used my debit card? And then they got the Bitcoin and it's in their wallet by that time. Like, that seems like a shady scenario. Like, how do you yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we deal with 24-7. So we've got a team uh, that's kind of experts around that and, and kind of dealing with those cases. Obviously, um, we do have some information that we can use to say, hey, this, this was a legitimate person that did go, in fact, and, and buy this Bitcoin. And typically, we can win those disputes. But, you know, sometimes it takes, you know, uh, months until uh, we win those disputes. So we, we take on all that pain uh, because, you know, I think it's just kind of a fraud exists, right? You, you can't get away from fraud, especially as I mentioned before, when you're combining this non-final and final payment methods. So I think it's just our job to make that experience as painless as possible. And yeah, of course, there'll be some bad actors. Um, you can't you can't avoid that. So, so what about this then? So say you got some complete noob, zero knowledge, right? And they're like, okay, I'm need to buy some, I'm going to buy me some Bitcoins. And then they go in, they take their debit card, they buy some Bitcoin. How does the wallet and the private key scenario or how does the wallets like this? I'm going to buy some USDC. They don't even know what it is. They don't necessarily have a wallet for that yet. So how does that process work? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so MoonPay is non-custodial uh, today. So basically, customers need to input their wallet address. So you can kind of think of it, I don't know if you're familiar, like if you spent time in London, like there's something called like an Oyster card. Um, and there's all these places you can take to top up your Oyster card, which you use to ride the subway. Uh, it's kind of the same idea of MoonPay, right? So you need to have your own wallet, which you input into MoonPay. And that's ultimately where the cryptocurrency gets delivered. 
we try to make that as seamless as possible. A lot of our clients are wallets themselves. And so what we found and kind of the big bet that I took uh, a couple of years ago was no one was really paying attention to wallets. Um, you know, everyone would buy their crypto from a traditional exchange like a Coinbase or a Binance or an OKCoin. Um, you know, very few people were going, uh, you weren't able to buy, you know, Bitcoin directly inside of your wallet, which didn't really make sense to me. I felt like that was going to be uh, something that needed to exist. Um, and so, you know, we, we went out and worked with a lot of the top wallets today. You know, those wallets have grown significantly uh, over the last year or two. And I think more and more activity is happening inside of those wallets because I kind of see the wallet as your new bank account, right? You're going to be able to store all your different crypto assets. You're going to be able to interact with all these different financial applications built on blockchain, be able to send, receive money. Um, and so it just makes it, you know, for me, it was very obvious that you're going to need some way to just top up those wallets as quickly as possible. And you don't want to have to go to an exchange, set up an exchange account, buy the crypto on the exchange, and then move it to your wallet. You're just going to want to, you know, you want that convenience right there and then. Uh, and that's what we're, we're really focused on in terms of building the best experience around that. Um, so in those cases, you know, the wallet address, we can pass it through so the customer doesn't have to input it. It would just be passed through inside of that wallet directly. Well, one of the things that I like is that you're encouraging websites to help onboard people. You've got a simple little widget here, you know, so it's like, oh, don't have Bitcoin. You could, you know, put this widget on your website and help people to get it, you know, through without leaving the site. Yeah. So I think that's, that's obviously one of the uh, biggest value props is, you know, you don't have to go to an exchange first to buy your crypto to use it right there. And then, and I think the kind of next phase of crypto, it's not that I just want to speculate on these different assets going up and down. I think it's, you know, how do I use my Bitcoin or use my other different crypto assets inside of all these applications? And so uh, that's why the widget can be really convenient for a customer right there, right there. And then they're able to get their crypto and then uh, be able to interact with whatever application uh, and have that convenience. Any further questions, Sir Lord Travis? So, you know, one of the biggest things that uh, Joel and I love the most about crypto are NFTs. I mean, we're, we're knee deep in NFTs, maybe even more so, maybe balls deep. Dude, but, uh, I, am, I am eyeballs deep, just, eyeballs you know, deep. to be clear. Yeah, totally. Eyeballs deep. So, so is there anything on the horizon with MoonPay? It seems like everybody's doing a little NFT thing now. So is MoonPay going to be doing some NFT stuff? Yeah. So I think NFTs are making crypto cool and culturally relevant in a way that, you know, we, we haven't seen, um, you know, I think this is what brings, you know, a billion people into the space is when it becomes uh, relevant and, and people can understand, um, you know, some of the power um, behind, you know, these NFTs and, and not necessarily have to know the term NFTs and, and try to get what's going on. You know, what, what I think is going to happen is, you know, for example, ticketing, ticketing is a really good example. Um, you know, it's a, a big problem is scalping, right? As soon as those tickets go out, uh, you see them at huge premiums on a StubHub or a Ticketmaster and kind of secondary sales. You can build programmatic rights into tickets um, and these tickets can be NFTs. Um, so you could have a, an NFT that the originator of the NFT gets a, gets a payment uh, in this, for secondary sales or, or kind of tertiary sales. So after the first initial sale of that ticket, um, if it's sold again, the originator can be paid. And so you can basically build kind of anti-scalping technology directly into the ticket. So I think that's going to be hugely disruptive. You're already starting to see some artists do some really cool things with NFTs where 
Uh, if you buy the NFT, you can basically go backstage with them for life. Um, you know, there's going to be all sorts of really interesting programmatic rights uh, associated with the NFTs. And so to me, that's super exciting because I think it can be super disruptive. Essentially, I think the other way to boil it down is this creator economy is, you know, the, the kind of next, you know, it's such a huge opportunity. Creators don't need to have managers, uh, you know, they, they can own their, their masters directly and monetize them peer to peer. Anyone on the internet uh, now has access to their content. And so I think right now we're seeing an NFT wave. Obviously there's limited supply with a huge demand of everyone on the internet. Um, so I think that's why we see the, you know, with the supply demand equation, that's why we see kind of the price premiums today. And we're still trying to find kind of the right price discovery of how to value uh, these particular assets. But for us at MoonPay, we see it as a, a next frontier, something we definitely need to be involved in. And if you think about it, you're starting to move around lots of, you know, some of these NFTs are incredibly valuable. You know, some of these crypto punks are going for north of a million dollars each. And so in those cases, one of the things where I think MoonPay can come in is we have, you know, compliance solutions, um, you know, to deal with anti-money laundering and to deal with fraud. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's going to be absolutely critical, especially in those large scale transactions. So right now uh, we power OpenSea. Uh, OpenSea is one of the biggest peer-to-peer uh, -peer marketplaces where people can interact with smart contracts and buy NFTs, but we're working on even an upgraded version of our, our current solution to make it even more seamless and easier for people to, to buy uh, and eventually sell uh, their NFTs. You know, what's really funny is you're talking about ticketing. and We've talked about that on the show before, so I'd love to hear that as a use case. In my mind, I came up with a a police officer giving somebody a ticket. Can you imagine in the future that your, your speeding ticket might be an NFT that the cop will say, show me your wallet. And they drop you this like non-burnable, <laughs> non-transferable NFT. And the only way to um, unlock it is for the judge to burn it. So it's stuck there in your wallet and like it's trackable you. Oh my no, that's 100% the world. That's 100% the RoboCop world we're going. And yeah, uh, yeah you can imagine like you got to do your driver's ed and then, okay, the the the, uh, the ticket burns or something. And they, they know that you did the driver's ed because it basically tracks your, your phone watching the video. Congratulations. So, you, you'll be like, hey, honey, I got an NFT today. Oh, no, not a good one. It, it's You're not going <laughs> to like this one at all. Uh, well, this is all fascinating stuff. I even appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing with us your thoughts on the cryptos and the NFTs and the payments. Moonpay.com is the site, and hopefully um, you'll get us some updates on WAX being available for U.S. citizens, because that really is uh, a huge sticking point for a lot of people. There's just not enough liquidity right now and you can only get wax if you're a US citizen on two exchanges pretty much Bitrix and KuCoin and yet you've got this ecosystem which is explosive and there's huge demand to be able to buy with wax so you'll let us know as soon as that's available yeah yeah we're going to solve that uh, thanks so much for having me on the show guys Travis Wright was right Ivan was a nice guy and MoonPay is doing some really progressive stuff in the world of crypto. Now we just need to get Wax in there. I thought we had Wax. Maybe it is by now, by the time the episode is launching, because he, uh, he talked about how it was coming very soon. So hopefully soon is now. I don't know. You guys go check it out and see if it's there. Well, it was available to some parts of the world. It just wasn't available to America because America is like North Korea and Iran. You know, we're just, we're just not able to do certain things. Like we're, we get excluded 
from the fun things. But not always the case. Sometimes we get to do fun things. And uh, like this show, we're able to do this show still. That's, that's good. That's right. We're coming up on four years, Travis. July 18th is going to be our four-year anniversary. What do you buy somebody for four years? A swift kick in the ass, Norton. Let's see. Anniversary gifts. I know that like the first year is like paper or something like that, but there's somebody made this traditional list of gifts that, you know, you're supposed to give for, uh, for each year. And uh, first year anniversary paper was the thing. The fourth year anniversary, <laughs> here are the, the gifts that we can give one another, fruit or flowers. Um, a modern gift would be apply, uh, an appliance of some kind. So um, a color of something would be blue or green. And if it's a gemstone, then blue topaz apparently is uh, what you give for the fourth anniversary. Cool deal. I'm thinking probably an NFT of some sort, maybe one that has color in it. Well, may, I was thinking maybe an NFT of a toaster oven. That way you get the appliance, you know, and. Well, maybe a toaster oven with like, you know, fruit sticker on the side of it. <laughs> We put an apple on it called an apple toaster oven. <laughs> Look what Apple's making now. Check out my new eye toast. It's amazing. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you joining us as we do approach our fourth anniversary. We would love to hear from you. We are getting phone calls again now that we asked. Turns out that's all we had to do is ask for you to call the Bad Crypto Hotline where you can ask a question or just leave a message or just belch into the phone and say, stay bad, whatever it is you want to do. Here's the number 708-885-9030. 708-885-9030 is the Bad Crypto Hotline. It's open 24 seven. That means you can call it in the middle of the night and it won't wake us up because we have an electronic secretary waiting to take your message. She's amazing. 708-885-9030. You can call us up and tell us how much you love our political takes. Cause I know you guys are big fans of that. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, as promised, we are doing our research into previous episodes of the show, going through the four episodes that we had John McAfee on the show. And uh, we're taking this slowly. We really want to do this tribute episode um, right. Really want to honor his life and um, his, his widow, of course, Janice as well. We want to make sure it's done as classy as we can do something on the show, which is to say not too classy, but reasonably somewhat a little maybe classy. Most of the things we do are, are assy. Yeah, this will we'll try to make this a little bit classy. And we want to make John okay. proud with this episode for sure. So that's coming soon. I'm not sure the release date of that, but uh, stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe. Some amazing quotes, amazing little stories, and amazing like, like I think was it the first time he interviewed us? He was like wearing a mask, a John McAfee mask, or was that the second time when he was in Cuba? I remember the first yeah. time we interviewed him, he was like smoking a bong and like. <laughs> And doing other illicit drugs, uh -huh. and we're like, "What are you shitting me?" And then, like one time, we interviewed him, and he had right, he had Uzis and shit all around him. He's just an interesting guy, man. Like there was never. And then the other time we interviewed him, he was just chilling in his bed. Yeah, you know, somebody actually tweeted me on Twitter because on the last episode we said he did not 
kill himself. He was he was suicided. And somebody tweeted me and said, oh, you guys, you know, do better saying, J, you know, JM was suicided. And shortly after that, Janice McAfee came out and there was a video all over Twitter saying there's no way he killed himself. No way. And I'm like, dude, well, dude he had like at least 10 tweets when he said, if I if I die in prison, I didn't do it. I was killed. He literally had a tattoo on his arm that said whacked. Right. Like, I mean, wh- what else? They were coming after him. Like, seriously. And then you go, oh, he clearly killed himself. Bullshit. That's how that's how the evil doers do it, man, to make them look like their hands are clean. They just, mm-hmm. oh, he committed suicide. I don't know. It's a tragedy. Just gave know. up. Anyway, don't give up on us. We're here for the long haul, as long as that is. I don't know. I mean, I'm 57. I don't know how long I've got. Travis is 46? 48. 48. Holy cow. He just aged two years right before my eyes. Mm. Got some wrinkles there, Trav. And uh, anyway, we're glad you're along for the ride. So we'll talk to you again real soon. Make sure you subscribe, review, share it with a friend or an enemy, because when you share bad crypto with an enemy, it turns them into friends or bigger enemies. I want to say this. uh, I might be 48, but my girlfriend's 29. There you go. So that's, that's aging me, though, I think. It's like, that is a lot of energy. It is a lot of energy. It really helps me stay back. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.